Adventure Seekers, welcome. Jedi, Ninja, and Wizards tolerated. Today's quote. Within you, there is a stillness and a sanctuary to which you can retreat at any time and be yourself. Herman Hess. AJNW News, today's top story. The comic strip Zen and Pen is now being included on Rain Law's Patreon page. This project is in its infancy and only one comic per week is planned. And now for a look at AJNW weather. The forecast predicts moderate temperatures and humidity in the tolerable zone, which falls in between boiling in soup and sitting in a steam room. Now it's time for AJNW traffic. And there goes a tractor to cut down hay. And now it's making another lap. And another. Now it's time for AJNW Sports. And coming in at the head of the pack is John Deere. Completing the 400 laps and the John Deere 400. Horses, cattle, and livestock everywhere snort with delight. It looks like hay is what's cooking for dinner this winter. AJNW News Human Interest Story pertains to... The warrior's diet. The samurai ate a lot of rice, as that was one of their main staples. However, today we try to find a balance between our carbs, our proteins, and our fats. One of the more interesting developments in dietary practices today is that of intermittent fasting. Many warriors go without eating one day a week, while some skip a meal every day. Others skip every other meal. Another practice that I used to follow rigorously was to eat only till I'm 70% full. It's always hard to fight and defend yourself when you're stuffed. It was my understanding that this was a practice carried out by the samurai as well. You will have to consult your doctor to find out which practice is best for you. I have followed each of these at one time or another, either out of necessity or discipline. Try it, if you wish, out of curiosity. That works too. But make sure you have plenty of fiber. Coming up next, Q&A with Sensei. Today's inquiry for Sensei deals with mosquitoes. Specifically, what Sensei thinks about mosquitoes. Sensei's reply was mosquitoes are formative in developing speed and focus for a warrior. They can also develop skills in subtlety. It takes a lot of control to be able to swat a mosquito without making a smack by stopping a five-finger fist punch just off the surface of the skin, but with enough force to crush the mosquito's tiny body. While some prefer to tighten the skin where the mosquito is biting, not allowing them to extract their proboscis from the skin, forcing them to explode as the surge of blood pumping through the blood vessels forces them to rupture, at the same time benefiting the planet by eliminating at least 200 new mosquito eggs from ever being hatched. While mosquitoes are disease-bearing creatures, it's only the freshwater mosquito that does so. The saltwater mosquito only deserves to die because they are parasitic leeches, nature's own little vampires. But it is only the female that really deserve to die, as the male are more interested in flower blossoms. 
And now, a special thank you to all of those who emailed in with questions and messages. Hopefully, we were able to answer them or at least point you in the right direction to find the answer yourself. Coming up next, Sensei's Haiku, A Mosquito by Sensei. Buzzing Dreams, A Slap, Female Mosquito, Death Touch, Bedtime Slumbering. My email is rand at rand-lawrence and my webpage www.rand-lawrence.com. We now return to Conversations with a Sage. From the point where we left off last week, he was often held over in the empty classroom by his new teacher during lunch. She seemed to garner some pleasure when she would release him just before the cafeteria would close and he would miss his meal. In an attempt to rectify this situation, he began sneaking granola bars in his desk, which he would eat in class whenever he missed lunch. This action also didn't work out in his favor. He had neglected to consider his teacher would smell the snack, and he wound up getting paddled for eating in the classroom. Although he might have received the punishment for a repeated comment he had made about the hair on the back of her head being a mustache. The day Xander really began to have trouble was when he got up the courage to complain about his teacher at the school office. It seemed as if all of the teachers had joined sides against him. From that day on, it seemed every teacher was watching him, looking for a reason to paddle him. His next years in school proved to be no different, just different faces, but the same treatment. He began to develop a grudge against most of the sisters. Sometimes he was paddled as many as five times a day. One teacher, in fact, began to paddle him before class, but she explained he was good for the day no matter what happened. He was upset when this teacher did not allow him a hall pass for an unexpected and needed restroom break. Since he had no other recourse, he urinated out the window. After being paddled for this infraction, after his guarantee of no additional punishment for the day, he told her that her guarantee wasn't worth the toilet paper it was written on. Still, he was constantly vigilant about working on his problem habits. One day, just a few months short of his twelfth birthday, he came home to the farm when no one was at home. It seemed to him as if he had been watching an old Wizard of Oz movie where the world went from black and white with various shades of gray to full color. He felt he was turning a corner for the better. Xander was equipped with a fast wit, and his observations often got him in trouble with some of the teachers and most of the bullies, especially after class. In the hall or in between classes, he found that his small size and passive nature made him an easy target for retaliation. One of his classmates struck him regularly, saying, this is for making me look stupid in class. I can't take credit for that, Xander replied. God already beat me to it. He came to realize that adults usually do not care to be corrected by children during class, and this went doubly so for bullies. It didn't matter that he could prove he was correct. This seemed to encourage the inordinate amount of time he spent staring out the window in his classrooms. Still, he continued to use his wit to distract bullies and even adults from other children who were being picked on. Xander got to go to martial art camps and outdoor survival camps whenever Bob had to go out with the National Guard for duty during the summer. 
but he never had the confidence to use his growing knowledge against the physical assaults he suffered at school. It was as if he was a dog that had been beaten all his life, unable to fight back even in defense, not yet recognizing that he had teeth to bite back. His self-worth was damaged by his loss of his mother and the years of abuse from bullies and teachers alike. Yet on rare occasions he began to slip a punch and let the bully hit the wall or another bully, but that was about it. Still, the camps gave him some solace, and with reading, these things were his greatest escapes. He always felt more confident and better about himself after he returned from these camps. He had never noticed that he never seemed to be timid around other martial artists or outdoor enthusiasts, but he had never considered the implications of the reasons for the disparity in his outlook at this time. The martial art camps were just like any other youth-themed camp except that most of the activities geared to self-defense and awareness drills, where other camps played toward religion, chess, music, soccer, or some other sport as a theme. Bob would get a neighbor to do the farm chores while they were away. Most of the time, it was the Millers, who also did the spring plowing and planting as Bob didn't have a tractor. This was unusual as many farmers traded off on these duties for emergencies and or vacations alike. Bob would often help out baling hay for the Millers plowing and planting services. It had been a while since Sander had a significant dream other than the ones that were brief remembrances of his mother. Then one day, in the spring house, he fell asleep. It started with the old scroll he had seen before. Then the dream took on a movie-like quality. He would hear the narrator's voice, and he would see what was described as if he were descending from a cloud watching from a bird's eye view. It had been a beautiful morning on the mountain they called the Gateway to Heaven. It was easy to see how every day is sacred here. Kaito's family lived higher on the mountain than anyone else they knew. By afternoon, the snow was flying horizontally as the mountain air slashed through the cracks of the piled rock doorway. The howling wind stung Kaito Takumi's face as he retrieved the old wooden bucket from beneath the goat he had just milked. Kaito Takumi huffed and stomped his feet as he exited the weather-beaten stone slab shelter. It was cold, but he enjoyed being alone. At least here he felt safe. He never knew when his father or mother would lose their temper and beat him. Things were hard for them this year even more than previous years. But that wasn't the cause for the abuse. There never had been any indication as to the cause of it. Kaito had long ago accepted the verbal and physical abuse was just a fact of life. The ice crystals in the wind pelted the stone pathway as the frost covered the ground on the way to the hut. The snow was beginning to drift. In the blue-gray distance, Kaito Takumi could see the distantly colored robe of an aesthetic not far from his family's homestead. He wondered what a monk was doing out in this weather, this far from the monastery and from the village. Kaito entered the dark, smoky dwelling he called home and made his way to the central fire where his mother tended the cooking pots. She turned as he approached and traded the bucket he was carrying for his youngest brother, who had been clinging to her side while she cooked. Kaito Takumi lugged the small child over to the far side of the single-room structure and deposited him on a thick 
woven rug with the rest of his brothers and sister. They sat together playing at a guessing game, where they guessed what shape the clumps of wool looked like to each other. They continued twisting the strands of goat wool and smiled at their oldest brother, Kaito Takumi. They held up the yarn they had produced for him to inspect. Kaito Takumi rubbed the heads of two of his younger brothers praising their work. They returned to their chores as the baby snuggled up between them. It's almost time to eat, said Kaito Takumi's father as he called from where he sat alone on the dirt floor with his hand loom. He was in the middle of weaving a large section of a wall hanging for the monastery. Kaito Takumi was proud of his father's weaving skills, as it was rare for the monks to ask anyone to undertake such a task that was not a priest. Although not a priest, everyone in the village considered his father sacred due to his way of life. His father continued speaking without looking up. It will be dark soon, and you have not brought in enough dried goat dung for the fire tonight. Hurry up and get it done. Kaito Takumi nodded obediently and immediately began his next task. After several trips in and out of the hut, he was certain that he had enough fuel supply for the fire for several days. As he looked down the mountain path where he had first spotted the monk earlier, he was surprised to see other figures standing with him. Looking around, he decided to see what was going on, as he knew no one would miss him until supper was over. Kaito Takumi also knew that it was dangerous to go walking in the mountains at nightfall, especially with a storm coming in. Maybe the monk and the strangers would need shelter. Just to be safe, he grabbed the large coil of twine that they used to find their way back to the hut during whiteouts. The length of the cold, stiff twine was sufficient to reach from the hut to the stacked fuel supply. The deep well where they got most of their water or to the goat shed or their outhouse. Kaito Takumi untied the coil from the stone anchor next to the hut and carried it with him to the mound of dried goat dung they had stacked during the summer months. He then tied his coil to the stone stall that helped form a protective cover for the dry goat dung fuel. Kaito Takumi could see the shadow of the hut through the gray evening flurry as he made his way down the trail. Halfway through the length of the coil, he realized he could no longer see the shadowy form of the monk or the strangers he had seen moments before. By the time he had reached the end of his rope, he knew he would not be able to spot the visitors. The wind and the snow had become more difficult to cope with, and he pulled his clothes tighter around him. He would have to return home soon. Maybe the monk or the strangers had already built a shelter. It was useless to yell as the howling of the wind drowned out all sound. Just before Kaito Takumi turned to go home, he had the sensation of eyes upon him. Looking around in the rapidly diminishing light, he could spot nothing in the gray landscape. An invisible force lifted Kaito Takumi in the air. The shock prevented him from speaking. The sensation was paramount to an invisible force impaling him upon an overhead hook that lifted him up by his ribcage. He drifted toward a hovering vessel, and he lost consciousness. It was at the point where Kaito lost consciousness that Xander would awaken. I highly recommend martial art instruction. 
Everything I do has been influenced by the martial arts. I have no weapons, but a weapon can be made. Knowledge of her power. Tokushi Kimpo. Keep following your dreams.